Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. We had another busy week of Premier League action, and we're here to break it down for you. Before we get started on that, um, one of my other teams got, without sugarcoating it, absolutely obliterated this weekend. Uh, the Yankees, they uh, they fell to their, you know, to their deaths. I wouldn't say fell; they were forced. They were. They were brutalized by the Houston Astros, and they were an inferior team, let's be honest, but they, it was hard to watch this weekend, and, you know, as Premier League football is going on, you know, Premier League football always makes me happy, but, you know, watching my team get absolutely just demolished by, and just, like, casually demolished by the Houston Astros, it was, I, I felt, it felt, I like I needed to mention it on the podcast, because it's been, it's, and, you know. I have a roommate that's a Yankees fan. I got plenty of fans, uh, friends from home who are Yankees fans. And, you know, there's different types of Yankees fans, similar to those different types of fans in any sport. You know, there's the fans that say, uh, fire everyone, sell everyone, you know, root everyone. And there's fans that are like, run it back, just got unlucky. And, you know, I've had to, I've had to calm some, some, you know, irrational Yankees fans down. But enough about the Yankees. <clears throat> Holy voice cracks! We're back. We're back with the voice cracks. I'm One trying to beat down. my record. Of, I'm trying to beat my record of nine from last week. But enough about the Yankees. You know the Yankees had a very unfortunate death this weekend. But there's another. There's another unfortunate death that we had this week, and that's the death of a Premier League legend himself, Steven Gerrard. Not an actual death, just a managerial one. Mm-hmm. And uh he was on his managerial deathbed though. <laughs> he was. He was on managerial life support. But you know, we've seen some unjust sackings this year, but it felt like this one was one of the ones that we could see coming a little more. Yeah, this one was certainly just. I mean, obviously the two goal sacking, the Scott Parker sacking, those are a little premature. This was Belate, a belated sacking, to say the least. I think most people were surprised he lasted this long. Mm. He's his Villa team had a terrible run of form when there was such high expectations, and yeah. reasonably so, as we'll get into. They're they're doing all right without him, to say the they, least. Yeah, so. They, yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe it was a it was an interior issue. Um, yeah, but you know what they say: with every you know closed door comes a new opportunity um a new a new era a new mm-hmm. beginning a good evening you might even say as unai Emery comes in to complete the trifecta of villas sevilla villarreal and now aston villa the good evening master has returned to the premier league and i couldn't be more confused about it <laughs> i mean yeah when i <laughs> when i saw this i'm like uh okay <laughs> and like, they were like it wasn't even like a decision they were like get him in get him in when <laughs> i get him in like it wasn't even like a oh uh, we'll like reach actually no they did reach out to tuchel they had a couple couple yeah. guys you know tuchel they had a checklist pochettino turned him down but they were like they were getting... right, enough, is, enough, enough is enough let's get him in yeah and it, the let's get <laughs> let's him not in beat wasn't around like, the bush <laughs> yeah it wasn't zidane it was uh when but yeah. you know, as an um, Arsenal fan, it's it's I probably have a more pessimistic approach to this because I, I he kind of left our club in the same place that it was when two boys cracked. In the same place that it was 
when he took it uh, off of uh, Arsene Wenger, which was like, you know, below their standards, kind of pushing for top four Europa League. And it just like, he didn't really do anything at Arsenal. Maybe it was just too big of a club for him. Maybe his like sweet spot is that like, not, you know, world tier club, like, you know, the Arsenal's and the, you know, Manchester United's of the world, but it's kind of like that tier below the Villas, the Villarreal's, the Sevillas, the, the teams that, you know, push Europa League and push for like, you know, not the end goal being the title, but the end goal being like constant growth, like player development, things like that. Maybe this is more of his speed. I still think that one of the major barriers for Unai Emery at Arsenal was the language barrier, and that is uh-huh. not going to get any easier at Aston Villa, obviously. I have John McGinn and <laughs> John <Yeah>. McGinn <laughs> and Unai Emery might never say a word to each other for his entire <laughs> managerial stand. This it could go very south for Aston Villa, but you know, I like Unai Emery. He's a very good manager, well respected manager. He's accomplished a lot. Third voice crack, he's accomplished a lot. <laughs> and I really think that he could do a job at Aston Villa because it is a different club. What are your thoughts? From Unai Emery's perspective, it just seems so odd because it wasn't like he was out of a job. He was at Villarreal, a club where he's had a lot of success. Yeah, and that is obviously, one of the more you know, interesting things. Yeah. He's in his native country. He's with players. Obviously, you mentioned the language barrier. It is a big mm-hmm. thing. Obviously, not something he has to worry about at Villarreal. I mean, the clubs where he's had the most success have been in, you know, in Spain. It's where he won Europa Leagues with Villarreal and Sevilla. His, when he's not managed Spanish teams, it's been with PSG and Arsenal. Both ended in, you know, pretty bad sackings. Mm -hmm. So, from Emery's perspective, it just seems like an odd and unnecessary change for him. But for the Premier League, I think it'll be good. And, you know, it should be good for Aston Villa. Clearly, they don't even need a manager. As long as it's just not Gerrard, it seems, <laughs> it seems like they'll be fine. So, it seriously, it seems like they were collectively as a group just like, we got to do something. We got to take this into our yeah. own hands. Like, if he's not going to get it done, like, we need to do it. Anyways, we move on. Enough of the eulogy. We move on to the content. And this week... We decided to go back to, you know, one of the first uh, concept, you know, Premier League coverage ideas that we had. It's the 90-second team reviews. We usually do it when we have more than one match week to cover, so we have a little bit of content for every team. But also over the last couple weeks, we've, you know, kind of just dug into the top six, not really expanded to the rest of the 14. So time for everybody to get their fair share, although there are some teams that need much more than 90 seconds to talk about this week. However, that's kind of the fun of it. You know, you got to cram it in there. Yes, so This week, all teams are created equal. If you don't know how this works, um, we go through every single team this week. I usually do it alphabetically, but this week we did it by uh, table positioning after match week 11. Um, but we go through all the teams. Everyone gets 90 seconds on the dot. After 90 seconds, we stop talking about that team. Then we move on to the next team. Um, and everybody gets their fair share. We kind of give a state of the union. In uh, 90 seconds, you know, for the Gen Zs, you know, you can't talk for more than 90 <laughs> seconds without them losing interest. You got to switch things up. Them being me and you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> for our own sake. <laughs> without any further ado, Ethan, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. 
90 seconds on the clock, starting with the team at the top of the table, Arsenal Football Club, and go. Arsenal this week had only one match week. Their game was postponed against Man City due to a PSV replay. Uh, and it was a 1-1 draw with Southampton. Bit of a, um, you know, underwhelming result for Arsenal fans. Overwhelming result for Southampton fans, considering form. Ethan, you watched a little more of this game than I did. I had a conflict, could not watch all of it. So, Ethan, take this away. Yeah, it just seemed like Arsenal just lost a bit of their swagger in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they beat Leeds, but anybody who watched that game knows that they barely deserved to draw out of that game, let alone a win. And it was similar this week where they had a great start to the game, just like they've done in most of their games in the Premier League this season. Obviously, Xhaka scored a rocket on his weak foot, you know, 11 minutes into the seconds. game. But after that, they kind of just... They fell off a little bit. They didn't go at Southampton with the same intensity. Obviously, we can talk about some of the questionable refereeing decisions. But the we, fact we, of the matter I, that is... That seems to always be a, a case in point at you know, some point during our uh, our podcast, but continue. 20 seconds. Yeah, the fact of the matter is that Arsenal just simply didn't show enough going forward. They had one big chance with Gabriel Jesus, a chance that they should be putting away. Another player who I think has just epitomized the fact that Arsenal is just not playing with the same type of, like I said, swagger is the only word I can really use because it's more of like an eye test that they're just not passing at the moment, but still two points away. Manchester City, 3-1 win versus Brighton. Fairly home victory for that. Uh, fairly routine home victory for them. Um, is there something that Man City needs to change about what they're doing to beat Arsenal, or do they kind of just need for Arsenal's inconsistencies to slip them up? Well, I think the way it's going right now, I think they just have to wait for Arsenal to drop a few more points. I mean, like I said, Arsenal aren't playing at their best. Not poorly, but not title-winning form. and. Yeah. Man City, they're not doing anything out of the ordinary, but they're just they're just winning games. It's as simple as that. I mean, yes, they lost at Anfield, but it's not an easy place to get points. Yeah. But they're winning the games that they should be winning, and I'm sure they'll you know win the big six games that they should be winning, just as they always do. And they just look like again for a team that's not at the top of the table, they just look ruthless and just so cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that at some point this season they won't be you know right back up at the top where they seem to always be I think that you know when we talk about Arsenal we say oh yeah like um they're great but like party gets injured Odegaard gets injured Jesus gets injured Saliba gets injured one of them gets injured they could be derailed I think that case that might be the case with Erling Holland. Erling Holland has an injury history if Erling Holland has to miss um you know eight games ten games during the season that could be detrimental because who's playing striker for them? Julian Alvarez, you know, he's fine, but he's not, you know, Erling Holland. Three seconds, but you know, what is it? Phil Foden is a, as a as a false nine. Like I think that could be trouble for them if he gets injured. Spurs coming in third. They took a two nothing loss to Man U at midweek, and then a two one loss to Newcastle at the weekend. Back to back losses for a Spurs team that has been on pretty good form so far this season. Is it Conte? I don't know. We've, I've been praising Conte's play style, you know, from the beginning of the season, saying like, listen, it's not glamorous, but he's got it, you know, down to a science, and it's working. But it doesn't seem to be working against you know the big teams with you know a bit more quality. I mean, they got absolutely bossed 
by United. This is a team that's supposed to concede very, very little chances, and they conceded so, so many they got to United. 2-0 was very flattering for them. And again, we talk about, you know, defensive rigidity and their, you know, lethalness on the counterattack. But they haven't really been scoring as much as we've kind of expected them to. They've only scored one more goal this season than Fulham. And Fulham have been, you know, scoring goals for fun. Yeah. But you'd expect a bit more from the Spurs side going forward. And especially we thought that we thought I mean Kane has, you know, Kane is a good goal goal scoring mm-hmm. ratio, but we thought that hat trick, the natural hat trick, substitution hat trick for Son would have kicked him off. Uh it hasn't. I don't think he scored a goal since. So Clearly, they need goal scoring from somewhere else. Obviously, Kulishevsky and Richarlison are both injured. That could have, mm-hmm. you know, could contribute to their lack of goal scoring. Uh, it will contribute to their lack of goal scoring. But, you know, they have this goal scorer named Hillman Son who's not really scoring goals right now. Similar to the way Mo, Mo Salah is hurting Liverpool, that's probably one of the issues. Newcastle United, a one nothing win versus Everton and a 2-1 win versus Spurs. Six from six since we last talked. Are they legitimate title f- top four contenders considering Liverpool might be struggling, United might be struggling, Chelsea had struggled in the beginning of the season. Is this team like capable fourth voice crack, capable <laughs> of committing for competing for top four? I don't think you can rule it out at this point. I don't think you can necessarily say that they're right right up there. But you know, look at Leicester, you know, before they turned to shit. You know, they were <laughs> They were, you know, an outside big six team who consistently competed for, you know, top four in European places. I could see Newcastle being that team. I mean, after the takeover, everyone kind of expected that, you know, they'd have a natural progression into, you know, the European places. And it's going a lot quicker than people expected. I mean, their spending spree has barely gotten started. I mean, their one really big signing, Alexander Isak, has been out. And their best player... I mean, was um, big too, but yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gamarish. I... But, I mean, this past summer, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isak's only played, like, two, three games. And, and their undisputed, unrivaled best player, Alan Saint-Maximon, has been injured. Yeah. And they are competing for top four. Like, they could be a scary-ass team. Uh-huh. Come and Almiron like is performing, you know, after a Jackie comment. <laughs> <laughs> that only literally divine intervention, like, yeah. <laughs> to make him play this well. He was, like, I, and he's an MLS product, so, you know, I'm rooting for him. He was not good. And now he's, like, really good for some reason. So, you know, mm-hmm. go figure. And defensively, they're the best team in the league. I think they've only yeah. conceded 10 goals this year. I think after the Kane goal, it's 10. So everything is going well for Newcastle Two, in the moment. And it has to one. give credit to Eddie Howe. Chelsea started off midweek with a nil-nil snooze fest to Brentford at home. Then, uh, no, at Brentford. And then went back home. Played United 1-1 draw after a Casemiro miraculous header goes bar down. Their momentum has slowed a little bit. Yeah, they started pretty hot under Graham Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one goal in a ga- two games against Brentford and United. And United have been better defensively, but are certainly not, you know, rock solid. But they were dominated. Not dominated, but they... Uh, Chelsea should be outplaying Manchester United. They have more talent than Man U do. And they didn't at home. You know, it's impossible to be consistent in the Premier League, but like, it 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 would be nice to see Chelsea just be a little more consistent offensively. 
Yeah, I mean, again, we can we can bring it up a thousand times their lack of potency on the front line. Sterling was not making a good case for himself to start the World Cup in this game. He looked more poor than usual and week by week, you know, he's straying further and further away from any goals, really. The whole team, it's, really. Yeah. Uh I don't know what Chelsea do about their lack of scoring. It has to come Ten from seconds. somewhere. So yeah, it's something oh, crazy how Aubameyang wasn't the answer. Ooh, yeah. crazy. I mean, you can't really say he's not the answer yet, but he's certainly not like an immediate thing. Uh, yeah. Manchester United, 2-0 win versus Spurs and a 1-1 draw to Chelsea. If you're a Man United fan, you take that. Uh, unlike Conte Spurs, United have mostly risen to the occasion during big games this season. They've risen to the occasion on almost every big game this season, in fact. Um, but, you know... Aside from the results, it's tough to talk about these results when you have this, you know, diva on the bench that needs talking about. Cristiano Ronaldo walks out during a stunning Manchester United performance, walks off the pitch before even the 90th minute hits. This is awfully concerning, especially for a disciplinarian like uh, Eric Ten Hag. What do you do with this guy? Yeah, uh, I mean, from Ten Hag's perspective, I think he goes about in the right way saying... You know, no one is above the club and, you know, Ronaldo did not make the trip to Stamford Bridge, which I think was the right thing to do. And to be fair, you know, Ronaldo did take responsibility. But nonetheless, I mean, this is one of the greatest players of all time. He's 38 years old. You want this is a guy who you really want to be a role model in this team. You want him to be a leader in this team, whether or not he gets on the field or not. He can really make a difference in the dressing room. And it seems like if anything, he's having the opposite effect so that's definitely something ten hogs gonna want to you know look into and another thing uh you know they're gonna have to possibly deal with is the loss of Varane, who will probably be out for the world cup and you yeah. know who's who's <laughs> on the bench next in line yeah next uh, in line united slab ed mcguire <laughs> <laughs> liverpool midweek a one nothing went to west ham and at the weekend a one nothing loss to lowly Nottingham Forest. This team has been concerning this season, but perhaps the most concerning result you can get is a, lo- a loss to the worst team in the league. Um, is it time to say this Liverpool team is not going to return to their best, or are we overreacting this early in the season? Well, whether or not you believe that Liverpool can get back to their best, it's almost in a way not in their own hands because of how many injuries they have. It is an injury list that is growing and growing. I think Nunez got injured in this game. Uh, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota, both of them are out until after the World Cup. So once again, similar to how they were two years back when they you know, just barely made it into the top four, when they needed an Allison Heather at West Brom yeah. to keep them in it. Uh, which Allison is similarly putting Liverpool yeah. on his back right 30 now. Thirty seconds. <laughs> uh, yeah, Liverpool are struggling with injuries, but nonetheless, you have to you have to take care of Forest away. I mean, by and large, they have yeah more quality in every position on the field. <laughs> there's there's still no excuses. Yeah, I don't even know why we're explaining this. They should be beating from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, <laughs> five seconds. Uh, but now Liverpool. Definitely can't say they're title contenders right now. That yeah. They'll be back up there. 
Uh, silly me. I was so excited to get to Liverpool. I skipped right over Fulham. 3 nothing win at the midweek versus Villa. Uh, Gerard Villa, might I add. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then a 3-2 win at the weekend against Leeds United. Six points from six since we last talked. This team is performing like the team that they threatened to be coming up. They were scoring a shit ton of goals in the championship, and they're scoring a shit ton of goals in the Premier League, and they're getting the job done. Often when you score goals, you win games, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, someone needs to tell Alexander Mitrovic that this isn't the championship. He clearly <laughs> hasn't realized this. But when someone tells him this is the Premier League, things are going to take a turn for the worse <laughs> for Fulham. Uh, but no, seriously. Uh, yeah, Fulham have been scoring goals for fun. Uh, Willian has had a bit of a resurgence. He's a nice uh little pickup for. Um, uh, I'll, for Fulham. I'll I'll admit it. I was surprised when I saw the notification that said three nothing Willian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yes, uh, very much an overperformance so far from Fulham. Uh, not only offensively, but you know defensively, they're getting the job done. I mean, six goals in two games that often gets you six points mm. and it is and for a team that's promoted you know everyone thought who was going to be one of the promoted team that overperformed it's full a lot of people thought it could have been um nottingham forest with all the signings but it turned out to be full um three two one we move on to brighton nil nil draw with forest midweek and a three one loss against city uh you know you wrote down Potter seems to have taken his magic with him. It's, it's, you know, it was always going to, but it took a little longer than we expected. It kind of, there was some, some Potter magic residue left over, but it seems like they've fallen back down there. At least but. in the Anfield game there was, but yeah. they still have yet to win a game with, uh, with the new manager in, hmm. which is a tad bit concerning. Now, yes, three of the five were against, you know, big six teams. Mm-hmm. but I still think they'd definitely be expecting a little bit more. And they are winning on, you know, XG, which is kind of like old school Brighton. The like Brighton stat, having like, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. The stat that only matters to Brighton Football Club and Brighton Football yeah. Club only. <laughs> like having like over five <laughs> XG and still losing 1-0 to like West Ham or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so obviously they're bright spots for Brighton, and there's definitely you know, room for improvement and, you know, their fans and their players can see potential. But right now, the results are just not coming with the performances. And Brighton will be fine. Like, they they will be okay. They have some really heady football players there. They've looked fine. It's not like they've looked shambolic in these losses. Like, you're going to lose the city. The, the Forest loss is not good, but what are you going to do? Sometimes the ball doesn't go in the net. They, they, look, they look fine. They're not you know, relegation threatened or anything like that. Um, they'll finish like, out 12, 13, 14th. But, you know, it's uh, when they were on pace for, you know, 7, 8, 9, now they're on pace for 12, 13, 14. It's a shame for Brighton fans because I'm sure they all love Graham Potter. Like we all do. 3, 2, 1. We move on to West Ham United. one nothing loss midweek to Liverpool at Anfield and then came back home, got the job done at two nothing against Bournemouth at the uh today actually. Um a team that we knew would return to form eventually finally returns to form. A lot of their players that were struggling, Declan Rice, Derek Bowen, seemingly back to their best. Uh 
are we going to see a West Ham team for the rest of the season that competes with the top six, kind of pushes for that Europa League spot that they earned last year, or is it going to be, you know, the inconsistencies that we've seen so far? I mean, they certainly could. I mean, before the season, I just said that they may just have a down year just because I had a gut feeling. It's a thing that happens with some of these mm. clubs. But it's not like they've lost any of that talent. In fact, they've, like I said in my, you know, my predictions before the Premier League season began, I actually like the business that they've done. And they have made, you know, good business and they haven't lost any of their big players. So you definitely can't rule out that this West Ham team does have the quality, you know, to push for the European places and make a run in Europe. They are in the Conference League this year, remember? So they can definitely deal with that competition. They almost made it to the semis of the Europa League, so they can certainly make a bit of a run in you know, the third tier of European Cup competition. So yeah, definitely don't rule West Ham out. The only issue is they have a bit more ground to make up this year because of the slow start they had to the season. But uh, That's time up. Okay. <laughs> gotta, gotta keep on, on the schedule for the Gen Z's, you know? Anyways. Brentford United. Nil-nil draw to Chelsea midweek. Good result there. Then they got battered by a pissed-off Aston Villa team at the weekend <laughs> for waiting so long to get Ger- Gerard fired. Um, Brentford are a team that, you know, we thought might struggle this season. Um, they haven't, in mo- mainly in part because of Ivan Toni's form. Um, but, you know, they kind of sit where they should sit in the league. Yeah, it's Brentford have been a weird team this season. I feel like it's been one extreme or the other. I feel like they haven't had many average performances. It's either been like very hard fought, you know, nil nil draw against a rejuvenated Chelsea team under Potter, or you know, a four nil drubbing to Aston Villa. So eleventh is about right, mid table. They've either been really good or really bad. So they're right in the middle, but definitely they don't seem to be succumbing to the second season syndrome. Like a lot of people like myself admittedly thought that they might, you know, be susceptible to. So I don't think Bre- uh, Brentford can have too many complaints so far this season. Uh, no, for a squad that, you know, is not, they didn't really like bolster themselves. They're, they didn't necessarily bolster themselves during the window. They don't really splash the cash like some of these other promoted teams. Um, but it's nice to see them doing well because they have this whole, like, you know, focusing on XG thing behind them and they're very tactical in the way they go about things. So, uh, you know, I suddenly root for Brentford, you know, they're, you know, a third or fourth team for me, but three, two, one, we move on to Everton climbing up the table. A one, nothing loss to Newcastle and a three, nothing win to Crystal Palace, which seems like a fucking masterclass when you see some of the Everton performances recently. Um, but they've flown under the radar because they just haven't gotten the results. But clearly, they're capable of decent results. 3 nothing to Crystal Palace is nothing to sneeze at. Um, three wins and six. All three losses coming against top six teams. So when you look at this, the schedule, you know, may seem a little bit um, uneven based on their league position. But what do you make of Everton this season? Uh, I, thought, I think Everton have been impressing. I think... We both thought that Everton would be in and around the relegation zone, and it seems mm-hmm. like they're way closer to you know mid table, which is impressive for them because there has there's not a ton of quality in that squad. The good thing for them is that Calvert Lewin is back. He 
was back with a goal this weekend, and they desperately, desperately need goals, and he will provide them because mm. he is, you know, he's a quality striker. And, you know, they have a little Alex Awobi resurgence going on over there, which reminds me a bit of uh, Joe Linton's resurgence yeah. uh, at Newcastle when they moved him into, like, a box-to-box, like, eight kind of role. It's the same thing they're doing with Awobi. He's not in, you know, like, a you know attacking winger position. He's almost playing, you know, in the midfield. And it is really working for him. He has five assists so far this year, which is very five impressive seconds. for him. So, uh... Hey, $35 million well spent. I'm good. It's still <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Crystal Palace. 2 nothing win to Wolves midweek. Nothing special considering Wolves form. And then a 3 nothing loss to Everton at the weekend. Uh, I've never, at least recently, whenever Crystal, I see the, the final score of a Crystal Palace game, I'm kind of like, yeah, that, that seems about right. And they could have <laughs> lost 5-0 or 1-6-1 against man city away and i'm like yeah that's probably checked out just like they're so inconsistent that like any result is plausible <laughs> but they're so inconsistently consistent because they <laughs> always sit between 12th and 15th no matter well, yeah, what <laughs> with a 38 game sample size you always you know with the inconsistencies you always figure it out in the middle but they're but they're just staying there what what are they like 13th now like they're yeah. just always in the same region. They're like you say, they're inconsistent because you don't know what kind of performance they're gonna put in, but they always end up being, you know, yeah. right in and around the same place. And I think really the only thing that stood out for me this season about Palace has been Eze. I mean, obviously their two main players going forward are Eze and Zaha, but there's a certain, you know, amount of quality you expect from Wilfred Zaha. And Eze is really kind of stepped up to the play i think this year he's kind of he's basically wilford zaha just playing through the middle <laughs> if you watch palace it's basically what he is bournemouth one nothing loss to southampton midweek two nothing loss to west ham at the weekend zero points from six zero goals in both games they have not been impressive recently but they have gotten wins where they've needed to and that is all you can ask for out of a team that is arguably the worst team in the Premier League on paper and has a main goal of survival. Sitting where they are right now is all a Bournemouth fan can ask for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I p- predicted them to finish dead last, and I had zero doubts about that. They could still finish last to be <laughs> and you weren't last. <laughs> you were not alone. No. A lot of people thought that. No, I was not alone. And rightfully so, because like you said, this team has very, very little quality. They did almost no business, you know, during the transfer window, got off to a very poor start to the season. But hey, they're keeping games low scoring and, you know, they're getting points in games where they can. They're not taking points off the big six, but, you know, they're taking points in these games against, you know, lower mid-table teams and they're, they're staying afloat. They're in 14th. Like you say, can't ask for too much more. Because they're staying alive right now. No. Results, results, results. If you can pull out three points here or there, that's all you can really ask for from a team like this. Three, two, one. We move on to Aston Villa, a team that is very topical at the moment. Three nothing lost to Fulham at the midweek. Midweek, four nothing win to Brentford at home. What changed? Wasn't the location? It was their <laughs> manager. Um, I guess it's fair to say that at least thus far, one game in, Gerard might have been the issue there. It's quite possible. I mean, 
the only explanation is that Jared was telling his team not to score. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It's a it's a bold managerial strategy, but that's the only reasonable explanation because this Villa team scored as many goals in their first 14 minutes without Gerrard than they did in their final six games that they played under Gerrard. It took 14 Let minutes to score three goals, which they only managed in six in the final six games of Gerrard's tenure. That is an absolutely ridiculous stat. And Villa were playing like a team that, you know, had been released from the chains. Yeah, that had seriously. made it out the trenches. <laughs> like <laughs> they looked like the team we expected them to be this year and more because they were scoring for fun and we know the attacking options that they have. And they certainly played up to the standards we would have expected. Now, it was kind of nice because, you know, for a title challenging team, we need more bad teams and less good teams. But now we've turned a bad team into a good team. So as an Arsenal fan, I don't know how I feel about this. But, yeah, I predicted Villa to come eighth just below Newcastle because I thought Newcastle were going to be really good. They are really good, but I thought Villa was the best non-top six team on paper, and I still feel that. And I think with a new manager, they could be resurrected into that team. Southampton. one nothing win against Bournemouth. 1-1 win against Arsenal. Back-to-back gritty wins for Southampton. I mean, such is the the life cycle of a Southampton football club season. Win some games, lose some win some games against good teams, lose some games against good teams, win some game against bad teams, lose some games against bad teams, draw some games you shouldn't draw, draw some games you should draw, finish thirteenth. Yeah, that pretty that pretty <laughs> much explains it. Yeah, uh I, I was impressed with Southampton actually. Uh I mean usually when, you know, Arsenal are conceding you know, goals and, you know, games where they underperform. It's usually a, like, poor defensive mistake or, you know, just letting someone run through unmarked. This is the goal that Southampton scored, I have to say, was absolute quality. It was a fantastic move. It started with a fantastic dummy, and there's great interplay that was finished off by, you know, a great finish from Stuart Armstrong. And honestly, Southampton could have gotten, you know, all three points out of this game. But, you know, I'm sure they'll still be happy with the one from, you know, the league leaders. Arsenal, Arsenal, left, Arsenal left a couple on the table, but, you know. You made Arsenal left a couple on the yeah. table, too, but they certainly made it difficult for them. And yeah. I don't know who that one dude is, like Lianco or something. <laughs> Apparently, he's Brazilian. He looks like the most, like, Nordic, <laughs> uh, like, Slavic like bodyguard i've ever seen he's got like the neck <laughs> oh the dude he's that got, was like, fucking the... with jesus or yeah. whatever yeah no yeah the dude who like chokeholded like niketia oh Niketia. Yeah, like Niketia. when you think of hugo bonito from you know brazil you're not thinking of <laughs> this guy <laughs> anyways leicester city two nothing win against leeds midweek th- four nothing win against wolves at the weekend back-to-back wins back-to-back clean sheets what the fuck is going on um they're playing like themselves again <laughs> uh this is this is how Leicester City should be playing again similar to Villa you know this is a team that has the quality to finish in the top half of the table and they've been performing just so bad recently yeah. inconceivably bad recently quite quite it seems by every like... definition of the word inconceivably bad like I, it makes yeah. no sense with how much talent they have that they're playing so poorly yes but come with the hour cometh 
two teams in the relegation zone at just the right time for Leicester, who, in fairness to them, they comfortably handled both. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like they're back to winning ways. Again, it is against poor opposition, but sometimes yeah. you just need a boost. Brendan Rodgers certainly needed the boost. This whole Leicester team needed the boost. They looked a lot better. Uh, players like Castagna back at performing, you know, in a more attacking role, really giving you know more dynamic look to that offense. So yeah, Leicester City fans definitely needed you know that week to much, much get their needed. season back on track. Three, two, one. Leeds. United States of America, 2-0 loss to Leicester at the midweek, 3-2 loss to Fulham at the weekend. They've put in performances that is that are not worthy of them sitting 18th in the league right now, but they sit 18th in the league right now. You know, and sometimes in the Premier League, you just don't get the result and it happens. You know, I, I thought Newcastle started the season on fire and they sat like 11th after five games. How hot is Jesse Marsh's seat right now? Well, if you're just looking at results, then yeah, he's definitely on pretty thin ice. But I think, like you say, the results have not, you know, flattered the performances. I think that logic is correct. But basically what I'm (laughs) saying is that this Leeds team should be getting more out of the performances they're putting in. Obviously, they should have. They should have flat out beaten league leaders Arsenal last mm-hmm. weekend. Uh, I don't know how many points they truly deserved. Maybe one out of the Fulham game. I, they definitely weren't the better team against Leicester. But Jesse Marsh di- has implemented a good culture at Leeds. And maybe I'm just saying that because he's American. And I'm just <laughs> thinking like Ted Lasso believe mentality. <laughs> but... <laughs> But from what I can tell from his paragraph long, you know, comments on his, you know, Instagram posts after losses, it seems it seems <laughs> like, you know, he's got the right attitude. So and I think that the higher ups at Leeds feel the same way. So yeah. I think he'll be given a bit of leeway. But it is the Premier League, so not too much. Yeah, we'll see. Wolves. Two nothing loss to Crystal Palace at the midweek. Four nothing loss to Leicester at the weekend. Back to back losses, awfully concerning. But this whole campaign has been awfully concerning for them. Manager fired, haven't really changed much. You know, is it time to say that Wolves, along with maybe Nottingham Forest and maybe a eventual Bournemouth, are now relegation favorites? I mean, it's certainly hard to say otherwise. I mean, before Wolves were not scoring goals, but they weren't conceding either. And now they're scoring goals for fun and still are are conceding goals for fun and still aren't scoring goals. And that means you're losing games at an alarming rate, which is exactly (laughs) what's happening. Um, Yeah, yeah, they desperately, desperately need a striker. Diego Costa, you know, he can punch a dude dude in a nightclub or something, but he he can't (laughs) score goals. That, That period of his... You know, he could he'll he could be a shit house in the Premier League for another hundred years, but he was only scoring goals for a short period of time in the Prem. I think it's very and well for said. a title winning Antonio Conte side, not for a relegation yeah. fathers. You know, Wolves. I think the uh, 
I think it started got, getting concerning when they turned to Diego Costa for goal scoring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the when problem it, when it was Raul Jimenez, now they were like, we need to get somebody in there who's just going to shake things up, not necessarily score goals. Uh, yeah, that might have been the issue. Uh, and last, but certainly maybe least, <laughs> Nottingham Forest, a nil-nil draw to Brighton, and a one nothing win against Liverpool. What a set of results for Nottingham Forest. Maybe one of the, probably going to be, and end up being one of the most shocking results of the season. A win against Liverpool Football Club for lowly Nottingham Forest. This is exactly what the doctor ordered, not only in the table, but mentality-wise. If they wanted any shot of staying up this season, they needed a Kickstarter, and this might have just been it. No, it was a deserved point against Liverpool. Uh, I thought they had just as many uh, high-probability you know, goal-scoring opportunities as Liverpool did in this game. Dean Henderson kept force in this game just as much as Allison did. So Happy. really, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, he has you know, just channeled his inner Lev Yashin. Yeah, uh, he's got sensitive <laughs> eyes, okay? Relax. Go easy. <laughs> but yeah, no, this was a deserved three points uh, for Nottingham Forest. And obviously Liverpool have to be playing better and putting, you know, balls in the back of the net. But Nottingham Forest played well. They really did. Uh, they took the game to Liverpool. And when they had to sit back, they sat back and didn't let up too many chances. So, uh, I mean, thankfully Virgil van Dijk is a center back and couldn't put away those chances but in these types of games sometimes you need a bit of luck and they got it one and that rounds out the full 20 92nd team recaps didn't miss anyone this time i believe the first time we missed brighton and had to come back but we missed fulham immediately went back and got him no no foul play there i think we got everyone lots to talk about this week i wish we had more time to talk about united but you know the Gen Z's won't like that, so we can't go back. Um, but anyway, we move on to match week 12. Ethan, you have a goal pick update for us and a worst team wins update, perhaps. Yes. So last week was actually two game weeks. Uh, obviously, we had the midweek games and you know, the games at the weekend. Uh, only two goals in total between our two goal picks, and they all came... From me and from one player, and that was Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, I do. have Mitrovic, Jota, and Solanke uh, as a result of one of Brain's blocks. Uh, Mitrovic was the only one who scored amongst those three, and nobody scored amongst Brain's picks of Gianluca Scamacca, Gabriel Martinelli, and Brendan Johnson, who surprisingly enough, he didn't pick on his own merit. That was <laughs> as a result of a block. So, uh... <laughs> Although, thankfully, I gave you Brennan Johnson and not a Wonyi, because we've given a Wonyi a couple times, and he did score. He did score. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, that was a close one. <laughs> do we have a worst team wins update, or do we not do that? Uh, we do have a worst team wins oh, update. Oh, sweet. Hit us. So, uh, I had a phenomenal two game weeks, because this was a double game week as well mm-hmm. for uh, FPL. Uh, only 27 points for my team in two weeks, which is very impressive. Mostly because half my team is injured or is completely out of favor, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, no Luis Diaz, uh, no Richarlison, 
uh, Ronaldo's yeah. not even in the squad anymore. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ronaldo just literally just walked out on his own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not even trying to be played anymore. Um, uh, McGuire isn't well. You know, McGuire could be coming back. Yeah. So we'll have to look out for that in future weeks. But no, very few players on my team played. And on Brain's team, you know, it was back to business as usual. Holland, you know, grabbing himself a brace. You know, Madison got some points here and there. Uh, you know, Trevor Chalaba is now, you know, real pain in your ass. <laughs> I, I mean, at this point, just throw it on top of the pile. <laughs> so over these past two game weeks, Brain's team, Jesus died for a top ends at 66 points mm, so widen the gap a lot this week so the season total now for my team garnacho cheese is 403 points and Braden's total is a whopping 506 points yes the gap has gone into three digits 103 point lead need to throw a whopping in there <laughs> feel bad about myself Maybe it'll be an incentive to get better, even though you can't change I mean, your team there's at all. nothing I can do at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish well, maybe I you a player can... that is going to be at Sporting Lisbon in two months. Yeah. Well, maybe you can improve your goal picks because you're also behind in that too by uh, somewhat well, maybe, large margin. Maybe if I got three of the players I wanted in one week, it would help. Yeah. Hopefully uh, so... that week is this week. <laughs> I'll give a season up, uh, update on that tally as well uh i have 10 goals so far this year brayden's picks have scored five and i'm also keeping track of blocks um i thought that could be like a tiebreaker at the end of the season mm. if uh if we're ended up you know tied on goals and you are winning in that category so yay brayden he has five blocks one. to my four which is kind of hard to believe because last couple of weeks i've been i've blocked hey, fair all over my shit yeah but you know you had a hot start to the season in that regard but it won't matter unless you actually pick some good players so <laughs> we'll get into that right now Braden, take it away <laughs> okay my picks this week start off with the one that i don't think you're gonna get mm -hmm. we're gonna go with miguel amaron mm. if you blocked miguel amaron you're awfully cheeky <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to see which comes first. Uh, my goal-scoring pick luck or Miguel Amaron's form. Let's see what dies first. Uh, when an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object. <laughs> Let's see what happens. So I'm going to take Amaron. Hopefully I can have him. I probably can. Second pick. We're going to go with John Lucas Kamaka. He's got to score eventually. They're going to get united. <laughs> They're going against United, Sticking with them. <laughs> who does not have, who they don't have Veron. Um, I think this could be a slip, a slip up game for United after two good performances. They might let their guard down a little bit, especially with all the Ronaldo drama that's going on. Um, I'm picking Skamaka against a big six team. Sue me. Something's got to change. I got to switch things up. Switch things up. And, you picked him for the last three weeks. <laughs> no, I gotta like switch up. I can't just keep guessing like Jesus and Kane and only getting one. Anyway. For my third pick, I'm going to go for Ivan Tony. Not picking a single big six player this week. Just because I want all three. How did I do? You can have them all. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. This is my week. 
Could be. Uh, yeah, I picked uh, Saka, Mitrovic, and Erling Holland. So, very nice. You can have them all. I have my blocks when you're ready. Okay, so I guess I'll go in order of least obvious to most obvious. Um, I don't think any of these picks are really that you know slick. Mm-hmm. You know, you could definitely get a couple of these, so we'll see. First one is Callum Wilson. Um, Newcastle going up against Villa, I believe, this weekend. Newcastle team on very good form. And Callum Wilson will be leading the line until Isak comes back. So, Bold to pick a player goals. going against a Gerardless Villa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, we'll see. But he had a delightful chip over Loris, uh, you know, at the weekend. So hopefully you can continue that goal scoring form. And my second pick is a big six player and it is Anthony. Uh, he's going up against West Ham this weekend. Uh, had a great start to life uh, under Ten Hag. Uh, scored three goals in his first three games and hasn't been, hasn't scored in the last two games, but still has played very, very well. And I think that he'll be back in the goals this weekend. Not too much else to say there. And my third pick, it's Erling Holland. I uh, hopefully, hopefully you didn't pick him again. I don't know if you're gonna just keep picking him every week. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I just want him one week. Uh, I maybe I caught you off guard. Maybe no matter what, you're gonna pick him every week. I guess we're about to find out. Go ahead. <laughs> you can have him. Yes, let's go. God. <laughs> I thought after I block him like nine weeks in a row, you'd be like, "All right, it's time to give up on him." But no, no, you See, just keep taking. You keep taking you. the Dominic. You'll take the Dominic Solanke nine weeks in a row just to have one week of Erling Holland, and I respect the shit out of it. You can have. <laughs> well, he may score nine goals and make up for all those weeks. So, <laughs> all right. Well, if I made up anything by getting all three, now I have to go up against Erling Holland. So this could be bad. So did you not get the other two either? No, no, you can have all three. Okay. What were your picks? Uh, It was um, Kane, Jesus, and Mitrovic. Uh, Yeah, I had a feeling you'd block Mitrovic. Mitrovic seemed like an obvious pick this week. I mean, I couldn't let, you know, the Arsenal team going against Forest or the Tottenham team going against Bournemouth. I couldn't let one of those get by. And then Mitrovic, you know, even high on Mitrovic, so I had to pick them off. Yeah. Need to get more sneaky. And by sneaky, more sneaky, I mean less sneaky, and just put Earl Holland on there every week. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I have a vendetta against Holland because of my preseason pick, or I'd be taking him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now you have two, we got, now you have two reasons to root against Holland. So. Yeah. <laughs> we have some uh, predictions, match predictions to get to. Ethan, what do you got? We got no, no big six games this weekend, but some some interesting ones. First off, the Potter return. Brighton hosting Chelsea. What do you got for this one? Yeah, um, both Brighton and Chelsea are teams that are struggling to score a bit recently. Um, obviously, it's clear that the team with Potter has been... Either either side of the season, you know, Brighton when they had Potter, Chelsea without him, and vice versa. Whichever team is Potter seems to have the upper hand. So I'd struggle to choose against Potter this weekend as well. I'm going to go with a 
2-1 victory to Chelsea. I would, I mean, you know, it's no secret that I'm a very big Graham Potter fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that there's just an element of nonsense that's going to happen in this game. An element of tomfoolery. An element of silliness. Uh, Brighton know Graham Potter very well, obviously. Um... Chelsea have not been scoring goals the way they should be recently. I think this that Chelsea will not be taking three points. In fact, I think it is going to be 2 nothing to Brighton. A lot of tomfoolery going on. A lot of shenanigans. Red Hot Newcastle versus Gerard Liss Villa. Should be an interesting game. No top six teams. Which should be a very interesting game. I'll definitely tune in for this one. What do you got? Well, Newcastle are top six. Maybe not big six yet. Maybe not big six. They are top six, to be fair to them. Uh, yeah, I mean, this Newcastle team is a team on fire. Villa, you know, obviously have escaped the shackles of Steven Gerrard. However, it was only one week. I'm not quite ready to say, you know, you know they're back like Brittany. So... <laughs> Uh, I think Newcastle are going to be able to hold out uh, Villa's attack this week. I'm going to go with a 1-0 victory to Newcastle. I think my boy Callum Wilson is going to grab the winner. Sticking with that story. I like it. <laughs> uh, I likewise think that Newcastle are going to get it done. They, they're just not conceding enough goals for me to justify Villa taking a point from this game. I think, you know, it's too early to say that, you know, the removal of Gerrard has turned this team into a juggernaut like it did for the one game. Um, so I'm going to say 3-1 Newcastle. Um, they just, they look very good right now. Very fluid. It's tough to bet against them. 3-1 Newcastle. And to round things out, the closing segment will be a little more, a little more mild this week we're doing some over-unders we're gonna ask each other over-under certain amount of things and not really much explanation here if you don't know what an over-under is you it's pretty simple it's (laughs) it's over or under a certain amount of things so i will go first ethan do you think there will be over or under Three and a half managers fired for the rest of the season. That's an interesting question. Because I don't think that any more big six managers are going to get fired. There's only one I could see going, or the only one that would have any threat is Klopp. But Klopp is Klopp, and there's no way Liverpool get rid of him this season. At Not the Conte? Least. No, I, ca- I can't see Conte going. I mean, he's he's had a bit of you know, struggle for the past couple of weeks, but he's still third and he's still been given a lot of backing from the board. So I don't think any big six managers are going to be gone this year. Uh, obviously Tuchel left, but I think he'll be the only one. But then obviously we got, you know, these teams in the relegation zone. You got Steve Cooper sitting with Nottingham Forest in 20th. Uh, yeah. You know, who knows about Bournemouth, whether 
how far they slip if they you know decide to get rid of their manager again. Leicester on good form, but still seventeenth. Brendan Rodgers still on thin ice. I'm gonna I'm gonna say over, just because shit goes south real quick in the Premier mm. League, and typically when given a choice between firing and not firing, Premier League owners choose to get rid. So I think I think fours with still two thirds of the season left to go. I think definitely four managers could go. So Brayden, mm. do you think that there will be over or under 24 and a half good evenings from Unai Emery for the rest of the season. Well, maybe yeah, here's, here's the, the only I'm thing. Thinking, go ahead, go ahead. Say your piece. You think you think it's like gotten to him from his last day in England that people make fun of him for the good evening I was evening just going to say I feel like you may not say it as much. Yeah, go it's ahead. It's not going to be like between like 20 and 30. It's either going to be like 4 or like 123. Yeah. Like there's no either he says it or he doesn't. <laughs> it's either he has gotten, you know, he's a little shy now because of how much people made fun of it when he was in the Premier League. Or he's like, I don't go on social media. I am oblivious to what people think of my press conference openings. Uh I am who I am. I will continue to say good evening, no matter who makes fun of me. And I hope that is the case because, you know, it's a staple of his personality. However, um, I'm betting on him on Unai Emery being Unai Emery. I'm going for over by a lot. I'm alting that up to like <laughs> over a hundred million. <laughs> Ethan, over or under nine and a half Jamie Vardy goals this season? What's he at now? Two. He scored one this weekend. Yeah, I know. I know he did score one this weekend. Somehow, some way, Jamie Vardy always scores at least like 15 goals every season. So, if he has less than four, or if he has four or less right now, I'd have to go with the over. I I don't know if his spot has been taken by Pats and Daka is the only thing. Yeah, here's the thing though. Like, he's had similar situations like this before. Like, Kalechi Iheanacho has had you know seasons where like he's been like the main guy for Leicester, and somehow Vardy always pops up with 15 goals a season. I don't know how, don't ask me why, but Jamie Vardy finds a way either off the bench or, you know, in the 60 minutes he plays before he's getting taken off by DACA or whoever. He just seems to, you know, find a way consistently, you know, get into like the mid double digits. He has so, one goal in the Premier League. He has This one? weekend he scored his first goal. Wow. Okay, maybe I'm feeling a little less confident about that. But still, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking he's gonna be. I'm thinking he's gonna be like a 60th minute substitute, 65th minute substitute for Daka. Yeah, Daka's or maybe the other way around. Favorite this year. So, yeah. all right. So I guess I'll get into my over under, which is also about Jamie Vardy. You're kidding. Look at that. <laughs> I am not kidding you. But this one is a little bit different. Brayden, do you mm. believe that Jamie Vardy will have less than three and a half or more than three and a half shithouse celebrations <laughs> for the rest of the season? Okay. Um, if it's the same shithouse celebration, does that count? Does that have to be a different shithouse celebration? It has to be... I won't necessarily say different, but it has to be distinct to... 
the fans that he's like mocking. Three and a half. Is it? Yeah, like he like it has to be a celebration where he's like mocking or like you know shit housing like you know the fans like lit first goal of you know Premier League season this weekend you know he was you know doing this to the Wolves <laughs> fans saying you know they're stinking it up which they were fair enough rightly so, so. not even shit house that's just like respectful honestly yeah <laughs> just calling it like it is <laughs> three and a half three and a half i'm gonna say he's over. gonna score some home goals yeah too I, so. I don't know i mean there's an away end at at uh i'm sure he's had some shit house celebrations at home there's an away end at field that's level <laughs> i think he's gonna have so few goals that he needs to like you know, embellish them a little bit. You know, if he has yeah, seven goals he's, in a he's, season, and often he's going to come off the bench, so it's going to be after the 65th minute, we're going to get, like, maybe five or six, like, nut-grabbing celebrations from Jamie Vardy. I think he's gotten to the point in his career where he doesn't even care about image. He's just, like, move. he's moved on to, like, he's closer to retirement. He doesn't care about image. He's like, I'll fucking whip my you-know-what out in a game. I don't care. <laughs> I think we can get some like. Has he ever really cared? <laughs> no, but like you know, when he was scoring twenty goals a season, like he needs to keep some level of integrity. Now he's kind of just like I'm fucking. I'm a Pats and Daka substitute. I can do what I want. <laughs> so I'm gonna say over. I'd probably go with the over too. <laughs> Anyways, that rounds out our podcast for this week. A lot of good games coming up this weekend. But with that, we'll say goodbye. Adios. See ya.